Episode of the British and Irish Eagles podcast brought to you by Lock Lomond Whiskies and Passion Avenue. Um, yeah, I know what you're thinking, guys. Phil's hosting, Liam's patched another losing podcast. Uh, but I assure you, this time it is a uh, he's very much under the weather, as has pretty much every single person of the British and Irish Eagles HQ has been ill, uh, considerably over the last few weeks. I had COVID a couple of weeks ago, so that's been through my household. Liam's stuck in 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 Scotland somewhere, not feeling particularly great. And uh, and Mick is with me tonight, battling through his 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 own family's illness. Um, thanks for joining me, Mick. I'm I was planning to possibly do the first ever next man up, uh, not next man up, sorry, Ooh, British Irish Eagles, yeah, throwback British Irish Eagles podcast as a solo, which um, I definitely wasn't looking forward to. So thanks for. Thanks for battling through to join me, Mick. Um, I hope your hope your family's coming through what's been uh, ailing you over the last couple of weeks. But um, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I mean, I was sick on Sunday after watching the game that was <laughs> put in front of us uh, against the 49ers. It wasn't pleasant to watch, and and neither was uh, yeah the illness that's ripped through my household over the last few weeks it's just it's winter the kids pick up everything from nursery i inevitably get it they get it there's just sickness everywhere my missus can't deal with it um so inevitably i have to deal with it and uh <laughs> I've, I've got a strong stomach so it's, it's not too bad i can handle it <laughs> yeah i'm not very much not looking forward to the day when i when the serious in, uh, illness rips through my household like we've been quite lucky i think because it was covid uh, Younguns don't tend to suffer as much, and we're, we're not even sure if he had it at all, whether he did. But he's coming out the other side of it, and he's he's, he's not been too badly affected. So my sleep's been um been pretty good, but I'm dreading the day when it starts to be the uh, the, the brown stuff and and, and other stuff that's, that's that's coming out both ends and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking at, but um, just chucking the kids in the bath at two o'clock <laughs> in the morning. That's the bit that gets you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I remember being chucked in the bath as a as a nipper myself, so I kind of know roughly what's what's in, what's in store. But now it's the, the, sort of the stark reality of actually what is occurring at a time. Because when you're a young kid and you're ill, you don't really know what's going on. You just kind of oh, the bath time. Oh, this is fun. Like what's going on? And none the wiser. And it's like no, it's because your parents are at panic stations, and it's the best thing they could think of in that moment of time to to sort of remedy the situation. But anyway. <clears throat> I know, despite the uh, the solemn uh, start to the podcast, it, yeah, I, I jest, I jest. You know, we love doing this thing for you guys. It's um, it's slightly less fun doing losing podcasts. I will, I will admit, but um, you know, as we'll get through this podcast, it's always part of the healing process, isn't it, Mick? You know, once we get through, we usually feel a little bit better and a little bit more positive going through to the, to the next game. Isn't that right? Yeah, definitely. We um, you could we've got to pick ourselves back up after yeah it was probably the worst loss that we've seen in a long long time because most eagles have lost a game already this season against the jets it was our own doing you know we, we turned the ball over too many times and made some silly stupid mistakes and that's happened quite a few times um not only this season but last season but it's 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 very rare a team just beats us down just totally outclasses us um outfights us just everything 
goes wrong for us. And yeah, we just can't match the the energy that the 49ers had. And it's just it's a bit shocking to us because we're not used to getting blown out. It just doesn't happen to this team. Um, but you know, we take it, we take it on the chin. We just we have to be men and say, you know, when the other team is better, they're better. They were better on the night. Congratulations to the 49ers on winning their Super Bowl. Um, but you know, we, we're not going to cry about it. I like our players' response to it. They've not came out and you know started blaming referees and blaming decisions and you know making excuses for themselves. They're going to pick themselves back up because it's Dallas week. We're still in this gauntlet, as uh, quote unquote, and there's a lot of football still to be played before the end of the season. Don't count Philadelphia out just yet. We're still the world number one seed in the NFC. That is a fact. Um, it's in our hands. Everything is still in our hands at the moment. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I feel I've heard a lot of people, people sort of cling to the, the 10 and 2 top of the NFC um, argument. I don't think it has as much um, power for me as it does maybe other people because I feel like it doesn't, you know, that can change again this week if, if things continue not to go well, which is a bit of a glass half empty approach. But you are right. It's sort of a bit of a threefold um situation the loss because it's it's the it's yes we had lost to the Jets but it felt very much like a very slight blip so it felt very much that we were still sort of 10 and 0 rather than 10 and 1 and you kind of you get that in that in uh, impervious uh sort of sense of like um indestructible team like nothing can hurt us nothing can go wrong for us we're going to beat the the Niners it's not going to be a problem and then when it happens in the Nate you know the second fold is how how the nature of the loss such a blowout loss I mean it was pretty close until midway through the third quarter but the fourth quarter was just almost just like stop you know we've given up you won like just take take the dub and, and leave us alone now which um they definitely weren't going to do they wanted to, to to hammer it home and I think that then brings you to the the sense that well, it, it, it's a crisis of confidence for me. You know, I, I don't believe that that's the case for the Eagles, but as a fan sitting there, you're sitting there kind of going, well, we were so good, but when maybe we're not so good anymore. You start questioning everything that you were sort of, you know, you look, you listen back to all the podcasts this season, how confident and bullish we've been about the Eagles and how good they've been. A loss like that is the sort of thing that makes you look back and go, well, was I wrong about all this sort of stuff? And rightly or wrongly, because we'll get into some bits and hopefully we'll make ourselves feel better after this. But that's the initial sort of like impact of such a loss is that you start like going internal and going, like, have I have I just been completely naive and have I have I missed these signs? Have I ignored these signs? Like, you know, all the, the, the Bills game and the Chiefs game where we won and we're so um, excited that we, we won those games. We didn't think that we were going to win or, or with, you know, a rematch of the Super Bowl. But there were a lot of flaws in those games, there a lot of issues in those games, and they get papered over, as we as we mentioned plenty of times, when we when we win, you kind of, oh, it doesn't matter, we won. This is one of those games, again, where it's like, it went so badly, and we lost, and now we really need to come up with some answers. And I really hope the team is going to uh, be able to figure those answers out come, come Sunday. But it's, it certainly shook my confidence to the core. But anyway, before we get into the game, you know, let's get, we'll, uh, we'll get on with some new... Shall we? Make, let's um, let's just put up, put off the the new uh, put off the game just for a little bit. Just talk about some maybe more positive aspects. Um, some more negative, but generally I think um, there's been some quite positive changes for the Eagles since Sunday night. Um, the one, one the bit of news we were all waiting for was that the 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 team the hat that that Darius Leonard was going to put on his head 
um, to uh, referring to the college uh, drafting process. Kid sat on a sofa. He he decided to wait until after the game to do his big reveal. And um, I guess a lot of us maybe coming off the 49ers loss were thinking, oh, God, he's not going to want to come here now. There's too much for him to do. He's not going to be able to come in and play processional football and, and, and win a Super Bowl. It's It could be a lot more harder. But he still chose the Eagles, Mick. And that's a bit of a flip. It's a bit of an uplift immediately after a loss. Um, maybe that's what was planned. Maybe the, maybe he'd already made a decision. Maybe the Eagles knew. And maybe they're like, we'll wait until after the 49ers. So in case we lose, nah. I'm sure that's not definitely not what happened. But um, uh, like it was, I, I think it was never in doubt, Mick, was it? After yeah. um, all the pictures of, of Big Dom walking him through the airport, his connections with Sirianni, <laughs> the fact that the, only, the, the opposition was the Cowboys, like why on earth would any player ever want to go there? It, surely it was a no-brainer, Mick. Yeah, I, I, I had the feeling that 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 Shaq was going to sign with Philadelphia. Um, you know, the the news broke. It was he was still deciding between Dallas and Philadelphia, and he was taking the weekend to decide. And there was rumours. It was like depending on if the, the, the Philadelphia beat the 49ers or not, if he would join us. And that turned out to be complete bullshit because we get blown blown out, and he still chose <laughs> Philadelphia. Um, he said um, in an interview with, with the media, it was to do with more to do with the connections and how the staff and players around our team know um, Shaq, and um, he feels more comfortable in this environment. And you know that speaks volumes, I think, for for the coaching staff and the you know the culture that Seriani um, cultivates um, in this in the in in Philadelphia and the city. So. Credit to them to get the guy in the building to get them to agree a contract because well it's just using up cap space that otherwise we wouldn't have spent if we can get a guy in you know he's an all pro player maybe he isn't you know recently he's, he's he's had a couple of back surgeries there's obviously um, concerns there we don't know what we're going to actually get out of him but it can't be any worse than what we saw in the linebacker core on Sunday so. Um, it couldn't have come at a better time, really, um, with Nicobe Dean still sidelined at the moment. We've had a few injuries. Zach Cunningham looks like he's probably going to come back. But, uh, you know, Nick Morrow and uh, Christian Ellis as the starting linebackers just did not work out. And I know the guys have taken a serious beating over over that game, and they're not the, the only problem with that. There was, there was a ton of problems in that game that we're probably going to cover. And in more detail on this podcast, but um, Shaq comes in with a bit of experience. Um, he can rotate and rotate out, and that's all we're looking for. We're looking for the, the upside that we can get from this guy that we can squeeze out of him um, to go and see us out for the rest of the season and hopefully the postseason. Um, so it's a, it's a low risk move for Howie. It's a no brainer. I'd rather have him in our team than not at this point. So. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty much the general gist I've got. The fan base has definitely been a little bit divided over it between the people who think that he's washed and it's a bit like teams when they signed Carson Wentz after he left the Eagles. Yeah, but what about 2017? Um, yeah. That kind of argument of, yeah, but look how you know, he's a two-time All-Pro, blah, 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 blah. But this is, you know, two, three years removed from that. So yeah, has he got the same kind of punch? After two back surgeries, one would argue that it's unlikely, but we've seen it work with um, other players that have had those kind of 
careers come into the the Eagles and had a bit of a, a renaissance. Um, there's even talk, I think, there's rumours about Windama Kutsung maybe jumping back in for a, for a little bit towards the end of the season. I doubt that's oh, really? got much legs, to be honest. But when you see stuff like that, you're thinking, God, anything right now, I think we just need a bit of an injection, a bit of a, you know, when th- something's broke, bring someone else in and might might hopefully fix it. Um, but as you as you mentioned, uh, Nicholas Morrow and Christian Ellis were our starting linebacks. And as is evidenced by the blowout loss, uh, Ellis has been waived, Mick. So bye-bye. Uh, Ellis, I mean, again, assuming he might end up back on the practice squad somewhere. Um, if no one's going to claim him, that's probably quite likely considering he's not actually set the world alight in his opportunities. Um, we've released wide receiver Cam Sims, no idea who he is. I think Mick, if you know anything about him, um, John, feel free to jump in. I think he was a uh, he played at uh, Oklahoma with Jalen, didn't he? I think briefly, um, but he's not, he's not done anything in the league, so. No, and uh, and Greg Ward is back, mate. I mean, I'm happy with that. I know certain people in the in the group were sort of, um, I think it was Ross who was a bit, a bit damning in his assessment. I'm not sure exactly where that came from. I mean, in my experience of all the times Greg Ward's been in the team, he's always come up with at least one one good moment, one key moment in a game that sort of, yes, he's still around, reminds reminds people he's still in the league and, and, and provides something to the team. And at the end of the day... Um, He's not coming in as anything more than a wide receiver, five or six at best. Um, if someone goes down, a couple of injuries or something, you know, Julio Jones is obviously liable to, with his age, and that's maybe pop up with a, with injuries, obviously on the injury report at the moment. Um, but you happy he's back, Greg Ward? Yeah, they, they called Mr. December um, a few seasons ago when he was... Um, one of our top targets and hauling in all the passes. Obviously, we've got much better options these days. So um, I doubt we'll actually see him on the field, to be honest, Phil. But yeah, no. I, I, I mean, it's it's just practice squad moves. It's, it's, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's enough said about that. But um, a little bit of bad news is um, more news on the tush push, Mick. I mean, it never seems to bleed, bleed and go away. Um Barely have I think in the last couple of games we've hardly actually really used it. I mean, we yes we scored another touchdown with it, but and it but it feels like the the impact it has on the field has now been overtaken by the impact it seems to be having behind the scenes. Like more people are getting disgruntled and have an opinion of it and are coming news stories about it than there is actual impact of it on the field. Like, you know, the the, the Eagles using it and actually benefiting from it. And, you know it's been key in in previous games where we've been having drives that have almost stifled out on fourth and one fourth and two even and it's allowed us to extend drives but it doesn't really feel like we've had those kind of situations the last couple of games but nfl commissioner roger goodell has now weighed in on the situation and has made his feelings known and he wants it banned which is not a good sign when the guys the big cheese in charge of the nfl um is coming out as on the other side on the uh, the opinion that he wants it banned so would suggest that it's probably highly, like, even more increasingly likely to get banned for next season. Although it does have to be voted on, we aren't much reminded. But the bad news comes comes flying in on that situation as well, when all of our NFC East rivals are represented on the voting board. So I think it's safe to say that it's it's hanging by a thread at the moment for next season. Ooh. That being said, I think. It's had its, you know, I say it's had its run. I don't mean it like I've given up on it. I mean, we've had two good seasons of making full use of it. 
we'll just find another way. We'll just adapt it. Because essentially what they're trying to ban is they're not trying to ban the play itself. They're banning the 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 the, the concept of pushing the quarterback. And I think there's definitely other ways when you when your quarterback squats 600 pounds or whatever it is i think he's more than capable of getting himself over i think the eagles are are, are more than capable of running it i mean they, they we've had success with the the quarterback sneak over the years anyway the tush pushers only just come in because they figured out a way to get around the rules nick um are you sick of talking about this now because i know i am <laughs> yeah um I, th- I thought we i genuinely thought we had turned the corner on on the whole brotherly shove and talking about it every week and it being so prominent in the media and uh, talking heads around the league talking about it and being on every social media post that you ever see um and then roger goodell decides now nah, i flared this back up um and and weighs in with with his opinion on it um you know they want to take it away they can take it away but i'm with i'm in the same camp as you phil and i feel like the push doesn't really look like it provides much in the way of what is being executed on the field. What I'm seeing, um, the touchdown that we scored against the 49ers, like J- Jalen didn't even go on the ground; he just walked through yeah, because of the power of the, of the offensive line. And that wasn't to anything to do with someone pushing him from behind. It was just, you know, it's, it's the offensive line. It's Jason Kelsey is is, yeah. is the secret sauce to this, and and the the massive plates of meat that are around them. Um, yeah, with, with uh, Cam Jurgens and uh, Landon Dickerson, these guys just move mass, move bodies, and you can't stop that. You can't take that out of the game. That's a fundamental part of the game. It happens in every fucking snap. So, Roger Goodell, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, though. I think it wouldn't. I mean, obviously, I don't want this to happen at all. But just imagine, like, if this is Jason Kelsey's last season, which I don't think it is going to be. Um, if it is, and it's like they ban the they ban the tush push, and then the Eagles turn and go, well, it's fine. Kelsey's retiring anyway. Like we we won't be able to run it as well. So it's kind of like all that um, bluster and spouting stuff on social media to try and get it banned. It's like well, we're probably going to stop running it anyway because you know the key to it was Jason Kelsey <laughs> and look at you know because he literally just dives forward and just creates a channel and and the and the guards either side of him are just sort of creating that channel. The push is almost just in case. It's like a backup option. It's like a, you know, oh, he's not quite managed to get through. We'll just give him an extra bit of boost. It's a bit like, you know, for the Dragon Ball Z enthusiasts, it's about, you know, the, the anime where they just give a little bit more extra power to the uh, the, the the energy blast that they're fighting the enemy with um, for the cartoon anime nerds out there. Got eight nailed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love watching that as a kid. Not so much now, but it's just reminded me of, of, of those situations. Um, yeah, that, that's enough. We'll talk about that. I, I don't think. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to convince myself that it's not going to matter, but it's just disappointing. I think overall that people are still banging on about it, like it's some sort of anti-Eagles thing. Like, a, you know, how can we screw the Eagles over? I don't know. We'll ban this play. We'll do this to them. We'll give them two short. We'll give them two opponents on the trot with mini buys. And nah, fuck off, Roger. You got bigger things to worry about. Um, right. Let's move on to some more positive stuff. And it's, um, I don't think the injury report is quite out yet. So we'll, we're going off Wednesday's injury report, but um, we will hopefully update you as the pod goes on if the injury report comes out. But as of Wednesday, got it back to full practice, Mick. How great is that to see such a quick recovery? I mean, I swear this is quicker than when he had the kidney laceration. I think he was out for like five or six weeks on that one, but this is a, 
a, a, was it a fracture? It was a fracture, wasn't it, Mick? I think. Yeah, there was a fracture um, when he took the, the he went down with the Dallas defensive back um, in the game at the link that you were at. Um, and he's back already um, in time for Dallas away. So could have come at a better time. We really need tight end one back in the yeah. building. Um, we've been missing him not only um, to be, you know, jail and safety blanket in the passing game for those short end or intermediate throws, um, but also in his, in his um, run blocking ability as well, because um, that's totally missed. Uh, I know Jack Stoll does a good job of that, but um, he's, he's not a replacement for, for Dallas Goddard, and you can see that the options just aren't there. I think Albert O got some snaps this weekend against the 49ers, but, I mean, the guy... <laughs> It might as well just be an invisible jersey on the field because I don't think Jalen sees him either. <laughs> it's a real, it's a real shame that that Albert O didn't have much of an impact. It, I mean, we were quite positive about it as a <clears throat> as the type of player he ha- he has been and and coming into a team and getting a new chance. I really thought I had high hopes for him coming in, but yeah, he's he's going to be a likely casualty if um, a certain number eighty seven makes his eventual return. I can imagine he might be uh, the one who makes way for him. Um, speaking of which, Mick, what's your thoughts on uh, the potential for for Ertz to come back now that he's been released by the Cardinals, free to sign with a contender? The Eagles have been slated of having interest in him. I'm not seeing a hundred percent buy-in. I think a lot of the, the people on the positive side is is nostalgia related. But do you think he he could still do the job and and slot back in and and be a number two to Dallas Goddard? Obviously, when he left, that was the ascension of Goddard to the number one spot. Do you reckon? Well, that's kind of a twofold question. Do you reckon he could make the have the same impact? Or do you reckon he'd come in and be okay being the number two guy? Yeah, well, um, this is more for the, the people that watch the video podcast, but this is how I feel about it, Paul. Oh, I didn't even notice that at the starting. <laughs> for anyone not watching, clearly Mick has his um, Eagles, it's white, it's a white uh, Eagles jersey with number 80, uh, 86 on the back. Um Zachary's. Zachary's. I would love I'd love the son of Philadelphia to be back um in that fair say. Um I think I think he does realise his situation that he will come in and he will be number two to Dallas Goddard. There's there's no there's there can't be an ego thing with, with, with Zach at, at this point in his career where he is um you know what he's accomplished after post Philadelphia is I mean not not an awful lot out in the desert, but um when he comes back or if he comes back, I mean people in the know are saying it's on. I expected it to be announced by now, to be honest, Phil. We're sitting yeah, here. Yeah, that's okay. that's the only question I've kind of got is that is there a delay and is that a, is there a bad reason why isn't a delay? Is it is it the Eagles aren't really that interested and in or maybe there's a wrangling over some what, what they will actually pay him and, and what role he'd have? It's a bit yeah. Um, confusing it why it's have, it taken so long. It may have been just you know one of these things where if we thought Dallas wasn't going to be back for maybe one or two more weeks, maybe it would have happened sooner. Maybe yeah. um, you can still get him in the building though, even if even if he's not. I mean, even if he came in today, like if they yeah, announced, he's not. He's not. He's not going to play this weekend if if at all. He might do, but I would imagine the Eagles would be reluctant to just go. To shove yeah. him straight in, but but having him in the building would be quite a boost for the team, I think. So, 
it's sort of, it's, it's a bit strange, but I think personally, I, w- I would love to see him back. So I think it was sad when he went. I remember we were all sort of saying, we hope he goes to Arizona. It's funny how things change in the NFL. We were thinking, go to Arizona. They were, they were one of the super tips for the Super Bowl that year. <laughs> and we were hoping that he went across and got a, a Super Bowl ring and they oh, sort of had a good strong, oh my God, had a strong start and they absolutely f- fell off a cliff. And then he kind of got, um, he was just floundering in a, in a terrible team. And then Jonathan Gannon comes across. I think that's probably the net final nail in the coffin. Um, so it'd be nice for him to come back. I think he's still relatively young enough to do a job. I think it'd be good a good boost for the team. And I, and I think he could generally do something in a, in a team that's so devoid of um, genuine tight end two talent, and you know, the, what's better than bringing in your former tight end one? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, he just offers another pass catching option, and in the field, you know, for in twelve personnel. Um, if you've got if you've got Goddard and Stall on the field at the same time, you've got an eye on Goddard in the passing game, but you don't really have an eye on Stall, do you? No. Um, no. But if you've got those two on the field, yeah, you only take. You have another think about that. So maybe keep defences a bit more honest and keep them guessing a little bit because I think uh, we're quite easy to read at the moment and that was one of the, the failings in this past Sunday. Yeah, we'll, we'll get onto that shortly, Mick, don't worry. Um, <laughs> um, but to, to finish off the news and the injury reports as, as we've got them at the moment, um, Cox and Cunningham are in limited practice, which is a positive sign. I know Cox did play at the weekend, but the fact that he is still practicing even on a limited um, fashion is positive for Cox. And obviously, as we've spoken with the linebacker situation, having Cunningham back at limited practices is a huge boost um, along with the signing of Darius Leonard. So hopefully that is um, a few things trending in the right direction. Um, Last little bit of news is quite a special one. I think it's only come out in the last couple of days and it's definitely worth noting and more so for the videos that have come out today, bringing it here to, to my eye and, and definitely Jason Kelsey's eye as he um, congratulates his fellow um, offensive lineman, Lane Johnson, as being the Eagles nomination for Walter Payton Man of the Year. So um, for those, obviously everyone knows, but for those that, that, that may not know, um, what the Walter Payton Award is the uh, is a nominated player from each and every team that has sort of done exceptional work um, with the community, charity work, generally, you know, those, that kind of all-round good guy contributing to the community, society, and and for general, for different positive reasons. This year is, is Lane Johnson. I think what makes this more special um, from my perspective and probably a lot of other people's perspective is that Lane Johnson's had some significant troubles with mental illness um, over the years. I remember when it happened two, two or three years ago when he was just out of the team for about three or four weeks, I think around about that. Yeah. Um, and it was just mental health illness. And at the time, I think it maybe hadn't been given as much attention as it needed to, especially from an NFL perspective. You know, you think of these players as earning mega bucks, having the life of Riley, nothing can possibly go wrong for them, um, bar an injury. But even then, you know, they've, they've got their contracts, they've got their lifestyles and their, their love and life. You know, we never think of players in those positions, especially big, stocky, burly, angry men beating people up on a weekly basis, having mental health issues. And he took a step back and massively highlighted the the struggles that, that that people can go through no matter what situation you're in and on top of that he's obviously done work in the community he, he i think he brings in people to the game um like a fan to the game every every week 
um, I think it might be something to do with uh, the mental health side of things, whether it's part of his community and he brings one of them to every game. Um, and he's obviously raising money, a huge amount of money for charity and, and doing a lot for the community. And that then stuck out to to Jason Kelsey when he, he congratulated him in the offensive lineman room. For those that haven't seen the video, I suggest you, you check it out. It's, you know, I mean, Jason Kelsey these days doesn't take much for him to get emotional about things. He's really very keen to show his emotions these days. But just watching him sort of talk to his friend and colleague over the last decade um, about how proud he is of him and, and the fact that the reason he admires the nomination maybe more than previous ones is because of how understated he is. He's not some guy out there shouting from the, the mountaintops, look how great I am, look how nice a guy I am, look how much, how generous I am. A lot of the stuff that Lane Johnson has gone unnoticed, and I think um, those often mean the the most to people because when you're humble about it and you're not trying to advertise it, it comes across as all the more genuine. Um, and I think that is me going off on one because I think mental health is, is hugely important, but, but, but to me as well, I've, I've massively suffered it myself over the last year. Um, and and I think it's certainly an important thing that that needs to be brought to the brought to the forefront. And I think bringing it to the forefront of the NFL is is a perfect platform for um for him to him to be doing that. So, um, what are your thoughts, Mick, on the um on the Lane Johnson nomination? I'm, I know I've probably covered it all, but you know, give us your thoughts. Yeah, it's um I think he's building he's building a bit of his portfolio as well for um becoming a, a Hall of Famer. <laughs> this all goes part of um, his, his bid to not be nominated for Canton is, is what he does on, on the field, but also what he does off the field. And he's been such an ambassador for mental health, like you said. Um, and, you know, and it's not just lip service either. Like the guy preaches it and he lives it. Um, he struggled with it himself and, you know, everybody does to a certain extent. Uh, I know I, I have, um, you've said, you've admitted yourself that you have as well. And, you know, everyone goes through a, a little something. So it's just um, putting the word out there that, you know, people are, are not alone in this day and age. There's there's ways um, to reach out and, and, and get help. And it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really commendable for, you said, it's um, a guy who's a multimillionaire. You know, he doesn't have to. Um, come out with all this stuff and, and, and preach this and, and you know, tell us all about his, his own struggles. The guy could just, you know, sit in his, sit in his mansion and drink whiskey and, <laughs> and forget about it. Um, but, you know, he doesn't, he does the right thing. So um, it's great to have him on team. He's going to be missed once he, he does hang up his cleats eventually. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think one of the main, um, main priorities on the off-season for the Eagles is going to be finding his his eventual replacement because he is going to be such a hard person to replace he's definitely you know worthy of the number one pick that the eagles have that year if they can trade up for someone even because he is that important that you do not want to suffer that dip as we've noticed when he's not in the team um we're going to jump to the game but the injury report has just come out so i'm just going to go through it quickly um now make to get your reaction okay. um so we've got a couple of do, did not practices with um, Julio Jones still suffering with his groin and um, Darius Slay is rest slash knee didn't practice today. So I'm not sure if we should be worried too much about that. If it says rest, it's obviously probably more precautionary and just trying to keep him fresh for the weekend. Um, Zach Cunningham still limited with his hamstring injury, which 
you know, um, we'll see what happens with their injury report tomorrow. But I'd I'd hope to see him at full practice before the game. I wouldn't want him going into it, especially with a hamstring injury and the the, the chances of of re-injuring hamstrings if they're not fully repaired. Um, we want him back, but we don't want to break him again and have him out for longer. So uh, we'll see how that one. And then um, Calcaterra, Fletch Cox, Dallas Goddard, and Jack Stoll are all back to full practice um, with their injuries. So um, not many people left on the injury reports. So that's a good sign, Mick. Yeah, yeah, I've got. You want to see a clean, <laughs> a clean sheet, don't you? <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think the Forty Niners had a clean sheet against us, right now. I think Dallas are, are trending somewhere. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, it's good to see us trending in the right direction. Having having Fletcher Cox back um, would be great. Um, and then our, our our tight end positions, three of our tight ends are are on this report. Um, all full practice, of course, which is always. Good to see Zach Cunningham will definitely, definitely need to like say the hamstrings are a bit of a funny one. Daddy Slay is a funny one as well. I know yeah. um he's on there for rest slash knee, and but it was the same yesterday as well on, on, on yesterday's report. So um two rest days seems quite a lot, but it depends on guys have played a lot of snaps, but that is true. <clears throat> um yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on that one tomorrow. Like um if if he's still DNP tomorrow, then that's that's alarm bells. Yeah, definitely. Um, right, let's um, let's get on with it, Mick. Let's let's get through this. The loss to the 49ers, nineteen to forty-two, at home, absolutely outgunned, outplayed, and outfought by the Niners. Um, it was a close game, as I mentioned, um, going into midway through the third quarter, going into the fourth. But then I think tiredness took over. Um, as I mentioned, the Niners had significantly more rest than us before. And, you know, let's not try and make excuses as our players aren't making excuses either. But it's hard to overlook the fact that, you know, an extra three or four days rest does have a massive impact on the team. And especially going into the fourth quarter, if the, if the Eagles had turned up and been leggy the whole way through, then I probably would have given it more more pres- more, more credence. But um I think once you play three quarters of intense football against probably your, your your strongest rivals, come into the fourth quarter, you're kind of mentally drained, physically drained. The Eagles have played a record amount of snaps in the NFL over the last two games for the Buffalo Bills and the Niners, um, especially, like I said, on defense. So it's no surprise Darius Slay is, is on the injury report, <laughs> trying to get some rest back, trying to recuperate. Um, lots to break down, but generally the 49ers, I think, just... They wanted it more and they were more well prepared for it, whether that's through rest or, or generally because they just they got it right in the in the preparation. Um we will go again for Sunday night football against the Cowboys, but I think you've kind of given your overall uh, assessment of the of the Niners game, but just quickly again, sort of your overall um short opinion of, of what happened. Yeah, it was it was so funny because we we started with the ball, and offensively we did well. We we marched straight down the field, and then we just couldn't get it done in the in the red zone. And said at the time, you know, three is there was good good first drive, um, but three threes need to be sevens when you're playing an opponent like this. And I said it last week as well before the game. In the preview of the 49ers, we said we have to start fast in this game. We have to put points up immediately on the 49ers because they can hurt us. They have weapons. And history has told us so far this season, when they go down early in the first half, they don't come back. They're not a comeback team. Mm. 
like from like you know a, a, a massive de- deficit. I know they were down six six nil um, at the start of this game, but you know you have to turn threes into sevens. And then, sorry, I, I know I'm not going to go too much far into mm. this, <clears throat> but the 49ers get the ball. Reddick makes makes Purdy eat up on that first uh, first or second snap, uh, first or second down on that drive. It forces three and out. Offense gets the ball back straight down the field again. Yeah, the, the offense was was you know we're cooking at that time. Jalen holds on to the ball a little bit too long, slips, takes a terrible sack, and again three points instead of seven. Um, you know I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to kill Jalen for slipping. That, that sort of thing happens. The, you know that's what it is. Um, but at the same time, we, we just can't let these things continue to happen. If if we had scored the touchdown on the first drive, the second wouldn't have been as bad. But both both drives to to you know to run down the field and what was it in the first drive? It was twelve plays, sixty seven yards, and um, the, the one after was twelve plays, fifty three yards, and we come away with six points from those from two of those drives. That's just asking. Asking for us um, to, to um, yeah, that, that that was probably a, a massive warning sign in 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 the yeah, in, it was in, in hindsight. I think you look at that and go, I don't think any of us were worried because at, at that moment, because like you said, we'd marched down twice in a row, so it felt like the offense was clicking. So you were like, yeah, we haven't got two touchdowns off the first two drives, but it feels like we were going to get plenty more. So you weren't that worried, but as the game went on, that that fact just became ever more clear that. We were gonna. We could have done with those um, those eight points that we dropped um, off those first two drives, and 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 might you know those eight points when we were down twenty one to thirteen would have been a tie game. So you can argue it has a massive, massive impact. That's another. That's a a touchdown and a two point conversion missing off the score chart, um, which has a massive impact on on the mental side of the games. But well, yeah, for me, it was. It was just the fact that we things just certain little unusual things happen. Like we've 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 gone down for the first drive and got not not got a touchdown before, but twice in a row was odd. Um, Jalen hurts a few of the dropbacks. Um, slip. I know, like you said, it wasn't his fault, but it just felt like that was symptomatic of him dropping back and looking rather overly casual, like almost a little bit too comfortable. Like, yeah, the, the 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 line was holding up and the pocket was sort of generally still there. But it felt like if it's not there now, normally Jalen would have thrown it away. And we'll touch on Jalen in, in, in a little bit, but it just felt like a few uncharacteristic aspects of it. And I think also ultimately we weren't ourselves. Um, we weren't our usual self. And, and there was something wrong, whether that's that's fitness or whether that's um, um, very not being as prepared. I don't know. Yeah. But we'll start with the we'll start with the bad, and we'll try to um, try to work through to what what good there was in the game. And there is a little bit, but it's it's, it's generally very lopsided this week. I'm not going to lie to you, you, got you guys. It's we just think it through it. We just think it through it. It's a bit of a painful one, but let's get through it. Um, tackling is the uh, is one of the big things that's been in the aftermath um, on Twitter, especially um, with Seth Joyner and, and Darius Slay getting into a little bit of a tizzy. On 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 Twitter on X, sorry. Um, after Seth joining was was captured on a on a punditry show, um, have like digging like laying into the Eagles tackling, and I think 
not many people disagreed with Seth. I think it was very much like a one of the big points is is the tackling was was just subpar. Some players felt like they were making the wrong decisions, not tackling hard enough, pulling out of tackles, going for trying to swat away a ball rather than taking the player out. Um, and you know, slay clap back at him, sort of tried to defend his corner. But I think on this one, Darius, I think whether you're right or wrong, it doesn't make a good look when you're coming out, sort of clapping back and trying to defend something that was clearly missing, whether it's specifically on one person or one aspect is like, I think just, just, just stay out of this one personally, but, um, is that why Slade did... practice? <laughs> yeah. Them out? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Slade did lead the team in, in, in tackles with five. Um, so he did have grounds to clap back, but, but I think ultimately Seth Joyner was, was talking sense, Mick and, and the tackle just <clears throat> massively off. And there's been people today I've seen, um, sort of referring back to prime shagger singleton days when we used to see some incredible tackles even though there were a lot of them were behind the line of scrimmage that those, those days where you just you'd see that mm, tackle that would just give you a bit of a boost Nick. um what's your take on the tackling side of things yeah it, it wasn't great was it um the, the missed tackles was a massive part of this game and it allowed the 49ers to just take yards that just shouldn't have been there um and it was killing drives it was uh we were managing sometimes to get the niners into third and long situations and they would just run like a wheel route or something like that and, and Debo would just break a tackle and it would be that's it this first down and, and the, yeah. the defense are already um you know spluttering um because of how many snaps that they played you know if, if, the week before against Buffalo in the overtime. So um, it's, it's just so demoralizing for the defense as well. Um, and when they miss tackles like that, it just it just compounds. It just makes it so much worse when you're like, right, new set of downs, it's still time to go. And um, they just picked us apart. Uh, uh, yeah, but the, the, the miss tackling was, it's something that can be cleaned up, Phil. You know, it's, it's not something that's, that's that's not fixable in this defense. It's it's not um, something that we can't address for for next week, for this Sunday, or, or for following weeks. It's, there's not like a massive gap somewhere. It's not you can't point to a, a, a particular player. Like I think uh, Reed Blankenship missed a tackle. I think in one of them, and, and he's usually one of the best tacklers on on the field if he doesn't normally have the most tackles on the field in any given week and. Um, you know he's, he's he's really consistent, but yeah, he may, he may he missed one, missed maybe one or two, and it just makes it look so much worse. But it's not a fundamental yeah, problem. It's just unfortunate, and it just all came together in this game. And it honestly, it, it couldn't have been worse timing just for like so many things to go wrong against that team. Yeah, it's um, Reed has played a lot of snaps, so I, I feel like I'm not I'm not even going near him i think he's been probably one of the few um troopers out there that's that's battled through played every single snap against the bills including overtime and then played pretty much every snap i believe um for the eagles against the against the niners as well yeah 100 percent again along with morrow and Bayard and, and bradbury playing 100 percent of snaps and bradbury obviously had a had a long a big game against the the bills as well so it's certainly you can't ignore that it's taken out of them, but yeah, the tackle definitely needs to improve. And they've they've made adjustments, they've made additions with um, Leonard coming in, Cunningham 
fingers crossed, will be back. And I think it definitely won't be the same level of poor tackling. It's just whether they can correct 100% or whether they can just sort of eke, eke their way back to getting a, some so a more positive uh, stat line for the tackling. But um, So we'll leave that one there and we'll move on to the rushing because this one is absolutely baffling to me. Um, 46 fucking yards. I mean, it's... It's just unacceptable. And 20 of those were the quarterback. <laughs> so you've got a player like DeAndre Swift. I mean, even even Gainwell um, has been having a little bit of a more positive impact, you know, less so on his on his drives or they stifled runs. But even he only got um, a handful of yards. I think he got, um, uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, anyway, actually only got five yards. But it felt a little bit more impactful than that. But when you only get forty-six yards, I'm sure you know the the the, the split is not going to be very high. But the I mean, we had Niners fan at the watch along, and I was speaking to him about it, and and his main concern was the Eagles running, the rushing attack that the Eagles had, and the fact yeah. that the, the Niners were so poor at stopping the run. And it was like, who made the decision to run it so little, um, or was it the fact that the run, the the initial, the early running that the Eagles did do got stifled sufficiently enough to make the the coaching second guess themselves. Make I mean, it's just not good enough, is it? No, absolutely. It's um, I don't know what's going on. And we've seen the signs outside the Novacare saying "run the fucking ball" from the fans, <laughs> and it's Sirianni's uh, seen it. It would be something familiar with Sirianni, you know. It was chanted from the stands. Um, if you remember on Sirianni's first season, it was you know chanted "Run the ball, run the ball." Um, you, you know, the fans were clapping ironically when we actually did call a run play. If you remember that a few seasons ago, and um, yeah, we're so reluctant to use this run game that we're becoming so predictable to the opposing defenses, and we've got to keep them honest. We've got to keep them guessing whether it's a run play, run play or a pass play, and that that just killed us it nails us because they're going to leave a safety deep um and we're not going to get aj brown or Devonte smith open on these deep passing plays because the safeties are open they're going to bracket with the cornerbacks they're going to play cover two cover four um and you know we've got no option jalen doesn't seem to want to run it at the moment maybe that's his knee problem maybe it isn't um maybe that's by instruction but we've got to be better we've got to Pound up. We've got one of the best offensive lines in the game. I know we'll be missing Dallas Goddard in the run game and and such, but there's no reason that this team can't run it. Um, we've already seen it this season. This season alone, like at the, at the very start against the Patriots, against the Vikings, we were running the ball at will. Um, we couldn't pass it for shit at the time, <clears throat> um, but we were running the ball with ease, and we thought, you know, this team. Coming, even coming into the season, we thought this is a, this is a team that have no problem running the ball. This is one of the the, the best um, team at, at, at running the rock, and it just seems to be something we can't rely on just now. And I feel like it's not a personnel thing. I think Swift is absolutely electric when he gets the ball in his hands and he can make huge plays. Um, he can break tackles. He can make a guy miss. Uh, <laughs> I think his yards per carry average is, is four point something, um, you know. But he's he's not been a, a terrible back where you don't trust him with the ball. Kenny Gainwell 
Yeah, I, I don't fully trust Kenny Greenwell still with the ball. Um, I don't think we've seen enough rotation with Boston Scott either. Um, this sort of running back by committee that we've sort of preached over the last couple of years, that doesn't, that seems, it seems to have just vanished over the last, um, you know, six or seven weeks. Um, and like I said, we're just becoming so predictable. It's, we're, mm. we're just leaving ourselves open to defences just going, right, you know, just throw it, throw it on us, we'll just, we'll, we'll deal with it. Then instead of having to drop a safety down to the box to, to, to prevent the run, um, they're just sitting back and dropping guys into coverage. And yeah, it's, it's just not good enough. And if the fans can see it, why can't the coaches see it? And that's one of the things that annoys me so much about fucking sports. And I think every fan feels that frustration. It's like when the fans are pointing something out, how did the coaches not see it? Or are they too stubborn? Because they're like, all the fans are saying it, so I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, it's it, you're absolutely right. That's the most frustrating bit about it is that when someone like me who has a very low level of understanding of the the very fine minutiae of of the an NFL coaching team coaching a team um, in the NFL, sorry, just to sort of see that look when it works and when it doesn't work, and it'd be like, well, look at what happened against the Chiefs. It got a bit stifled, but they they got creative with the with the blocking and and Jason Kelsey like absolutely pancaking someone halfway down the the field and DeAndre Swift ripping off a twenty six yard run. Um, <clears throat> it feels like they're just either either too frightened or too stubborn, like you said. Like there's something like mental block that's stopping them from 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 doing what they can do or being creative or throwing caution to the wind where they can kind of go well we'll try this if it doesn't work it's no big deal it's almost like they're so frightened to pick the next play because it feels like if it goes wrong it's like oh god we know we haven't got that secret weapon that's going to get us that that first down if this doesn't work um whether that's the fact you know linking into Hertz's running this season and the injury that he's got maybe that's in the back of their mind that they don't have him as a backup as much as they would want and that's what they're not telling us or that's what we don't know is that they don't want to be putting the team in a situation where Hertz has got to scramble for an eight yard run because they've stuffed it up on on first second down um which is probably my best theory is that there's just definitely there's definitely an undertone of, of Hertz's knee injury that's not um not fully disclosed or, you know they're doing the bare minimum to keep the NFL happy with injury disclosures and stuff he's not been on the injury report at all like and i think that's noteworthy because yeah not even once yeah not even not like even once not a limited practice, practice not a rest day not nothing there's nothing no, and it's like they don't want to do it because of of the chaos and the impact around the the, the the morale of the team if they see you know and the fans getting on his back and i feel like that's there's got to be something in that and call me crazy. Call me, call me Elliot Shaw parts, call me Jackie sports, whoever you want to call it, call me. But it feels like one of those theories where you kind of go, ah, oh, he's new. He's normally coming out with crap takes, but this one might have some legs. Um, and that worries me, I think, um, about the situation, why the running game has just been so mystifying at times. Um, it has to be something to do with that personally. Um, Speaking of Hertz, let's move on to the the other part of the band, which is from which I put on the on the note taking. I don't think Hertz played badly um, overall. It's more his decision making in the pocket, and as I alluded it to it earlier, Mick, um, he just sometimes he looks a little bit too comfortable, too casual, 
like and the reason I focus on that is because I understand if no one's open down the field but you usually see the the quarterback's eyes like frantically scanning the field frantically looking around hoping for that 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 player to sort of start creating some separation and, and maybe get open for that for that throw but it almost felt like a like a bit it was a bit cocky for me and I'm not saying he was being cocky but the the aura of it was like I've got all the time in the world I'm just going to be calm I'm just going to wait for the play to develop I'm not going to try too hard to make, I'm not going to force this one something will happen and then on the slip play that just felt symptomatic of you know where you where you're being a bit cocky a bit too calm and then you you balls it up and you make it made to look like made to look like a tit and it's like well there you go that's that's the that's the the karma for sort of looking a bit too 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 calm and uncomfortable I, I don't know if I'm yeah. again just creating a, a theory out of nowhere Mick but it felt like he just wasn't normally he'd throw it away or he'd scramble a lot sooner and I don't care whether the pocket's still there if it's, if by five six seconds nothing's materialized you 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 get on your you get on your bike or you throw it away if you're under pressure, you throw it away, or you run and get three, four yards, run out of bounds. As he normally does, it just felt like a couple of times he didn't do that, and that stuck with me, Mick. I don't know about you. Yeah, just like holding the ball in for a stupid amount of time. There's, uh, yeah, there's a certain, <laughs> there's a certain. Interested I don't know how many seconds it is, but yeah, that's what I mean. I'd be interested to what... point you're like, like tuck and run, or or or, or try and and throw someone open. They might not be open, but throw them open, and you know that that doesn't happen a lot with Jalen. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just who he is, though. Phil, a little bit. He's 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 never too high, never too low. So he just he plays the way he is, and that's just like you said, a bit laid back, a bit horizontal, a bit you know, not phased by the occasion or or by the opponent. Um, I think it just speaks to 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 who he is rather than. Yeah, yeah I, 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 don't know. I just think that um, it, you, you're right. He is like the ultimate of cool. He's never going to get flustered and he's never going to do something stupid. But that's all the more reason why that goes, that counts equally in that situation is that the cool, calm, collected head has got to realize after a certain amount of time, this play is not going anywhere my best and it's like he normally does that so this is what's all the more mystifying is that normally he would be like this play's not going anywhere i'm going to scramble maybe get three yards um, Mm. on the sideline as he normally does and he didn't do that and yes he slipped but that was almost just like i felt like karma turn around and going ah you think you've got all the time oh dear well there you go (laughs) nah yeah exactly and i don't know it just it just bothered me and 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 obviously the whole whole side of the things about whether his, his his ability to scramble or whatever's gone on with his knee, truthfully, is having more of an impact and having to game plan and scheme for it more than more than they're admitting. Yeah, it has to be something. Much. Has to be something to do with that. But um, we'll try and wrap up the the bad with one last little bit, and this one for me is getting me a little bit angry the more I think about it. Um, and it was the whole situation surrounding Hertz getting taken out of the game for the concussion check which obviously that's not the bit i have the problem with it's it's bringing him back in um with 8:44 left on the clock and i think we were down by 23 at the time and mm. 
all the starters and Hertz were still on the field. Now, I know you should never give up and you should never be in a position where, you, should, you know, deep down you should be trying to fight until the last second. But sometimes I feel like there's there are certain moments where you kind of not give up, but you accept the situation that you're in and you go, like, I think maybe it's time to count our losses in this game and live to fight another day when another day is Dallas. Um, and the fact that you've just got away with the fact that Hurts has come back in. we all seen t- um, Tua go out of the game for concussion checks, come back in, not be 100%. And I'm not for a second saying that I think that's happened, but you're risking that. Like if the concussion checks, been, you know, the, the amount of pressure, the, like we're all panicking because Hurts has gone that game and we're desperate for him to come back in. I don't want that to be the same for the team where they're like, you know, he goes back in, ends up getting himself hit again and and, and then is out for the season um, because he's he's had two concussions in the game or two two massive knocks to the head. And I'm, that's me being the fence. Now, Liam will probably be screaming in, at the pod right now going, Phil, he's such a fence and so half glass, half empty. I think this is more of a hindsight take. In the, in the game, I wanted him to come back. I wanted us to try and win. But I think I'm not the one making the big decisions on the team. I'm not the one whose job's on the line if things go badly. And I feel like maybe from a coaching perspective, maybe the smart move was just to kind of hold your hands up, go, you've got our number on this one. We're not going to risk any of more. I starts considering how many snaps the team played against the Bills, the defense, how ragged we were. Just just kind of go, sorry guys, you know, we, we didn't want we didn't want to admit defeat, but we were down by three scores with eight eight minutes left and the game had not been going well to that point, I think. Tell me I'm tell me I'm being massively overreacting with this Mick, but I can't help but feeling that like uh, a, a cooler head or more sensible common sense should have prevailed in this situation. No, you're correct in that there's a certain point in the game where you're just like, okay, this this game's dead. It's like you you probably felt it in your heart of hearts standing in um and past young calf. I felt it sitting watching at home. Like you know, this this game is 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 dead. There's no there's no need to have the starters out there. The worst thing that could possibly happen at this point is an injury, especially in the run that we've got and the postseason that we're ninety nine point nine percent guaranteed to be in. Um, well, that's the one seed, the the one to four seed are even you know perhaps not even winning the division, but we'll see. Um, <clears throat> but it's more than likely we will be in the playoffs, and we need we need Jalen first and foremost. That is that is the, the most important part of this entire thing. The whole team, the franchise, all hangs off of Jalen Hurts' ability to stay healthy and be on the field. And with what we've experienced the last season, towards the end of last season, he, he got hurt again in, in the Bears game, and he came out, and you know we we had to try and clinch. The um the one seed with Gardner Minshew playing in Dallas and then playing against the Saints and he couldn't get it done. We had to bring in an injured Jalen to get it done against the Giants, and uh, this, the season before, I'm sure Jalen missed games on that season as well due to an injury. We know he's carrying this knee knock. We just don't. It, it's just there's no point. There was just no point in having it. I totally agree with you, Phil. That at, at the time, I was just like you know. Worried about Jalen, obviously, because you see him jogging in the locker room. You're like, "Oh no, what's 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 going on here?" You know, um, 
although it was positive seeing him actually jogging to to the locker room because you're like, okay, it's not his knee, it's not um, a problem with his legs or anything like that. So it turned out we, we found out it was a concussion check. So <clears throat> and he was able to make it back. Maybe make it back for a series, okay, but not to remain in for the for the entirety of the game. It's just, um, yeah, a bad coaching moment, I think, from Seriani. I think he possibly wanted it too much, and he tried to save his, uh, his own. I think he might have done it just for his own, you know, ego. Yeah. In that way, that he just didn't, he didn't want to, um, like, like when you're playing chess and you 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 rest your king down when it's checkmate, um. He didn't want to do that to Kyle Shanahan, so he tried to keep keep it alive when it was already it was already you know roadkill. Um, yeah. So no, I, I totally agree with you, Phil. So that's 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 completely fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah, it, it, but, yeah, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for people to to scream and shout at me and tell me to to get a grip of myself. But I just feel like this was too pertinent a point and 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 shout out to bleeding green nation for that for that point when i was doing my research going around the the articles and that there was a a point they made that i sort of stuck with me and, and i focused on it for a little bit too long and it sort of made me sort of not feel bad but a little bit sort of worried from a from a coaching and a management perspective that you know your captain your leader i mean off the field in in siriani is is not me always going to make the uh, 100% decision that he should in that situation. But hindsight's a wonderful thing. And at the time, um, we all wanted him back in, so I can't really slate him too bad. Let me ask you about another coaching decision, Phil. Do you think Seriani should have gone for it on the fourth down instead of punting when we were two scores down in the, the end of the third? Well, I think given how it seems to have worked out, most of the time this season and I think if you go for it and it doesn't work out you still kind of get half points for the balls and the, and the and the intent to go for it I think given the way the game was going it needed to be something like that to spark it um, it took another instant that we'll talk about in a minute for some sort of life to be sparked into the team and I think sometimes going for it um, either Doubting himself or doubting the team, one or the other wasn't wasn't confident that they'd do it and didn't want to make a situation worse. Yes, two scores is definitely recoverable, um, but I think given the team had recovered back from 10, 10 points a lot of times this season, I think once it gets to fourteen or more, you kind of maybe it's not the same principle that you're applying to it. Yeah, I, th- I think he had to go for it, and I know we were in our own territory at the time, but it just. I know hindsight's a great thing because you say if we went for the the fourth and two or fourth and three, two or three, can't, can't remember which. It maybe it comes off as desperate because you know we're we're not winning the game, we're we're down two scores and we're heading into the fourth quarter. The offense isn't ticking, the defense is, you know got their legs wide apart, inviting Brock Purdy in for a right good old time, um, <laughs> and and Christian McCaffrey <coughs> a double teaming. Um, or defense, but it was it was a 49ers Bukaki buy, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we call that the name of the pod? Um, oh, can God. you do that? Can you do that? I don't know. Spotify yeah, might not let us do that. Um, no, but not. but yeah, I, I think it had to happen at the time, and and and, and when it didn't pull, it was it was just one of those moments where I thought, 
you know, this this game is getting away from us. Is is when you start you start getting really worried. You know, you're already you know we're down a couple of scores and we're we're not really clicking. But you know, this this team is like a massive comeback team, and you you know you've still got that little bit of fight still in you, and you're thinking <laughs> you know we can come back from this because we've got Jalen Hurts and and you know we can run the two minute offense and um anything can happen in the game of NFL, but. When we didn't go for it, I just thought, yeah, that's just letting all the all the air out of the balloon. And it was for me, it was just the turning point in the game, and but just for that mental state of the game's gone. Well, it, it makes it makes the the previous coaching point all the more baffling because they contradict each other massively. Yeah, true. you're you know the the punt comes before the Jalen Hurts situation, right? Yeah, according to the according to the clock, as my as my, as my guesswork goes. Um, so they've already suggested that they've not got the confidence or they're not as being as as um as risky uh, as gambling on 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 it as much as possible but then when their quarterback gets taken out from concussion check and you're down in three scores you decide to keep him in the game and keep going for it it's there's there's a bit of concern there and I'm, I know we're we're going through this, and we're hoping that by the end of it, people come out a bit bit more positive. But I'm starting to feel a little bit more negative just just towards the um, towards the coaching side. I think those two situations put side by side just don't agree with each other, don't marry each other, don't sort of suggest that the Eagles weren't feeling it early on and realised it was going to be a hard day, and we're just being a little bit more conservative. So, cheers, Mick. Um, no let's go on to the good. Let's go. On let's to the go on to the good. So. Um, there are a couple of a couple of good bits, and unfortunately, there are only a couple of bits. We'll, we'll touch on 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 Lane Johnson first, I think, Mick, and he kept Bosa very quiet. And there's a couple of good video clips if you haven't seen them of him absolutely put like crushing him into the into the dirt because he's <laughs> he's got him onto his onto his front, and he's just like literally just like down, stay down. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Love that. Don't you Love that. don't you dare get don't you dare get up. And I think. It's, it went unnoticed because of how the game went. You know, you don't you don't focus on how how um, resolute and how dominant Lane Johnson was against such an incredible defensive player in but in Bosa. But he kept into to zero sacks and just two solo tackles. He did have a couple of um, a few combined tackles, but um, very low low on the stat sheet for Bosa this week. And, and Lane Johnson just had an absolute game. So. Um, not really much to cover on that, but Mick, you're you, you know anything to add? Love that. I've just got this mental image of see when a dog pisses in the in the house and you like rub its nose in it. That's what Lane Johnson was doing to Bosa. That's <laughs> what I had. It was more um, if they if they if they if a dog's misbehaving and you sort of you grab them and you sort of like not force them into the ground, but you sort of like dominating and you sort of like pressuring on the on the scruff of the neck to sort of assert your dominance on them. And they're like no, and they're like oh. I fucked up, <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they know they know they've not they've they've done something wrong. But in this case, it was just more of a case of keeping the dog that is Nick um, Bosa um, very quiet for the game. So kudos to Lane, but can't he is not Bosa. can't stand them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, every time I think of Bosa and the Niners, I keep thinking of of the, the video of Joey at the, the championship where he was getting absolutely heckled by the Eagles oh. fans outside. It's such a a glorious video because it's just the epitome of someone who just needs to know their position and realize that they don't have to engage with such petty 
mocking, but he couldn't help himself. And it just shows that the Bosa family, personality-wise, are not not the greatest of people. Um, but let's move on to the the second of our three goods, and that is the receiving core, Mick. Because again, when you have such a blowout loss, any positives get kind of massed in there. But the receiving core had a had a day, really, um, given how badly we 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 did on, on the score sheet. But Smith had a had a clutch touchdown late on in the game. In back of the end zone, quite impressive how he managed to catch that. I think it was <clears throat> in double coverage. Um, still managed to sort of let it come into his into his midriff and fall back onto his backside, despite sort of two players being in the in the throwing lane, and and got ninety nine yards. I think it was he almost broke hundred yards yet again. Um, ninety six yards. I beg your pardon. Ninety six. 96 yards he managed to get. So 96 yards and a touchdown is definitely a good day for a wide receiver. I think everyone, any wide receiver out there will be more than happy with that. And AJ Brown broke 100 yards yet again. Not quite 125 yards. I think he got 114 yards on this game. But still, no touchdown for AJ Brown, but a lot of clutch catches um, over the middle. Solid like first down conversions as we were relying on, especially with, with Dallas, Goddard, uh, Dallas Goddard out. AJ Brown tends to fill that role of of being that safety net, that that strong bear of hands to sort of get you enough yards and the yak man managing to get us a few first downs in key moments. Um, and I'm, I know people are going to shout down the phones at me, or the phones shout down, shout out their 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 listening system at me for giving Watkins a shout out. But I feel like, despite only having a modest three reception three receptions for twenty eight yards. Those three receptions were quite key. There was a couple of key clutch catches. I mean, he's not impacting the game. He's not winning this game. But I feel like I just want to give him a shout because I feel like he's he's had an awful lot of slack. And he he definitely did more positives than, than bad in that game. And I feel like he needed a bit of a, a pickup. I know he listens to the pod and he, he's desperate for that pickup. Yeah, but, of course, of course. But, um, still, I don't know. I guess I feel a little bit of... Attachment to Watkins because I feel like I've I bigged him up. I, I tipped him for a breakout season when he did come into the, the team and he did have a good season, but he's just he's had a bit of an aggle or um, tail off. Um, and this may well be the last time we see last season we see him in an Eagles um, jersey. Um, but in general, receiving core, Mick, anything to add? Sort of sneaky, good game, but obviously not enough to to really impact the scoreline though. Yeah, it was um yeah, another big day for, for the for the big two, um Brown Smith and we're gonna have another we're gonna have two wide receivers over a thousand yards this season. It's it's it's, it's happening. I mean Brown's already over a thousand, but Smith is at in fact let me just check. Smith is at uh eight hundred and thirty four at the moment with six touchdowns. Brown is at with seven touchdowns. Um, You'd like to think that Smith's going to get another 170 yards um, over the next sort of six games. Absolutely. Um, It's such a luxury to have both of these guys. And, um, you know, Watkins, you know, putting his head up and making a couple of important catches. I'm I'm good with that. Um, It was interesting to see, actually, um, one of the plays that Devontae Smith had, and it was um, the screen that they set up. For Devontae, they, it was like um, it was third and forever, I'm sure it was, or second and forever. 
and uh, it actually worked for once. Yeah. <laughs> the Slim Reaper was was running through traffic. Uh, <laughs> he managed to get the first down on it, but I think like AJ Brown manages to get all these yards, and you know he, he pops up, and you know he's he's like Hurt's go-to guy when the going's good, but see when the going is tough, it's Devontae Smith. Is the guy that the Jalen seems to go to, and the guy that that makes the the tough catches, the and, and you know gets beaten up on a lot of the plays. He takes some hard hits, and this guy's what 180 pounds or something like that. It's yeah, insane. I, I, it's insane. I know. I I, I feel like I'm bigging up Devontae Smith every single week on this podcast, and ugh, why not? Why shouldn't I? Because he's fucking fabulous. It's an interesting point about the fact that he seems to be the 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 break glass option when it really does get. Um, a bit tense um, and I think that's probably partly down to the fact that teams know when the Eagles are getting desperate mark AJ Brown out of the game and you probably you're, you're, you're having the issue you've more got more chance of stopping Smith than you do AJ Brown and that's not seems a bit of a counterpoint but I think Smith is that good that he is still able to overcome some really difficult catches and some really big plays I, I, but having like I said having those two together is just absolutely phenomenal to to enjoy as an Eagles fan at the moment, and I really hope. I know there's been rumours. Liam's got his sources. People have spoken to um, all sorts of opinions flying in about whether we're going to keep them both for next season. But I'm definitely going to be in the camp of we've got to do whatever it takes to keep those two around for as long as Jalen is the quarterback. We need to have Dallas Goddard as the tight end, Devontae Smith and AJ Brown as the wide receivers, and Jason Kelsey as the starting center. <laughs> and I know not all of those things are going to happen, but I think. You, when you, you know when you talk about teams committing for a Super Bowl and going all in, giving up draft picks to sign big guys, I think going all in for the Eagles is is knowing what you've got right now and thinking you may not get it this good again. Um, you've got to find a way. Don't don't let a thousand yard receiver leave the building. Just no, don't. Just don't. Madness. Exactly. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So. Moving on, um, there obviously is no, no, not going to be a, a damn right sexy um, in terms of the game um, this week. So we're going to send that award to all the fans that came down to Passchenk Avenue um, and endured endured the game, but had an absolute whirl of a time. It was actually pretty much a mini um, birds fly home reunion because I think there was at least half of the. Uh, the the group that went across to Philly for the Dallas game in the, in the in the bar sporting the endless amounts of Kelly Green that had been purchased in the pro shops and Mitchell and Ness and all sorts. It was a big sort of catwalk of of, of Philly Kelly Green um, out there, and it was great. So I think the uh, the damn right sexy goes to you guys this week. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for everyone that came down. It was you know you make it all more special. It's a commitment for everyone to get there. Um, but once everyone's there, it just feels like a, a home away from home, and and enjoying a, a loss despite that is um, is uh, is special for us. It's what we do it for, and I know there will be met with the Seahawks. Uh, whilst we're on the subject, the Seahawks um, watch long obviously has been um, cancelled due to the selfishly selfish NFL flexing it to a Monday Night Football. I just don't think it's uh, reasonable to expect. Um, a large group, large group of us to still to change all our travel plans and, and still attend on Monday. I know it's hard enough getting a Monday off, let alone a Monday and a Tuesday. Um, but that being said, the past junk will obviously still be open and showing the game. So if you do live local and it's not not um, not a massive 
adjustment for you then make sure you get down there and show your support to the the guys and gals who run past yank and, and and sacrifice a lot of late nights and early mornings especially this season i was talking to um to gaz the uh the co co-owner of, of past yank who is saying this season has been quite tough in terms of the hours but they, they 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 do it all for us and then we need to go down there and we need to make sure that they they they, they realize how much it means to us but um the they do have to do a shout out though for for Braden man i think mick you are right you just added it into the to the notes there for me um i didn't actually think about Braden man at all and i know he has been shouted out a couple of areas but he has been quite a revelation since coming into the team early in the season getting rid of aaron sipos um finally mick and bringing in Braden man to, I'll, I'll let you take this bit away mate tell us uh, tell us how impressed you've been with with Braden man this season yeah, I mean, you know the frustrations that we've had from Aaron Sipos. I don't need. To, <laughs> I would like to strip that um, name from my memory, just wipe it clean. Um, Braden Mann's come in. We weren't quite sure how, how he was going to perform. You know, he's untested, unproven. You know, I think he had a small stint at the Steelers, um, but since he's come in, he's been nails. He's 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 he's, he's, he's put us in some real good field positions and the special teams can't really be faulted that much over the last few weeks. I know we've had our problems on offense, on coaching, on defense, but I mean, and I'm a guy who has done nothing but like give shit to um, Michael Clay, the, the special teams coordinator, but you know, I'll give him his due right now. Um, Braden Mann booted all three of his punts inside the opponent's 20-yard line. That's averaging 50.7 yards per punt. 50.7. In total, he had, two point, he had two punts for 50-plus yards, a 52-yarder as well as... <clears throat> um, so since week six, man's averaging 51.7 yards per punt, which is third in the NFL. And he's also registered a 44.3 net punting average in that span, which is sixth in the NFL. So we're, we're talking about a top top 10 punter in the league that we've, that we've managed to just scrape off a practice squad and um, yeah, install in our team seamlessly and the, and the guy is performing week in, week out and he deserves to be to be shouted out because uh, punters are people too, as we say you know, um, when Jake Elliott has a good game, we've got to also shout out Braden Mann because uh, he's, he's performed very well since he's came in and you know, love to see it well, hopefully yeah. it continues, but I mean, to just put up those kind of numbers, that's, that's exactly what we need. Well, yeah, and obviously the, the the often forgotten aspect of a punter is being the holder um, for Jake Elliott, and Jake Elliott's been on, on clutch form this season, so you have to you have to give him credit for that as well. He's been coming in, and it's been the flawless yeah, kicking has got to be a small a little bit in account of, of Braden Mann's confidence as a as a holder as well. So shout out to to him around. Yeah, fully deserved. I mean, you can argue that maybe he deserves a damn right sexy, but we've already given that out to the the British the and Irish Eagles to the people. So we'll leave it at that. Now, before we finish wrap up the game, we've got to touch on the Lock Loman Player of the Week, uh, Play of the Week. Um, and now you might be wondering. <laughs> which one i mean and there was a few good plays i think we we'll be i'm probably being overcritical and saying that there wasn't anything to choose from but i think one 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 play or one instance stands out um, amongst all and it's it's big dom for me mick um 
and it, it, it seems a bit sort of like, oh, they're, they're, we're Sully in the name of the Loch Lomond Player of the Week. It's, but I think it, it did have an impact on the game. Um, it fired up the team. It got the fans going. It was the, the spark we needed. Unfortunately, we weren't able to, to capitalise on it. But um, Greenlaw, obviously, taking out Devontae Smith on the sideline. Big Dom's there to jump in and, and defend his team. Um, maybe he says something, maybe he doesn't. But I don't think it really matters what is said. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words shouldn't hurt you. Um, as a big, bad NFL player, you should be able to deal with a bit of back and forth verbally. But swinging at uh, anyone on the sidelines, any player on the field, anyone in general is unacceptable. And I think he was rightly disqualified for it. Big Dom for his troubles also got disqualified, but on the balance of things, losing a player versus losing a guy who just patrols up the sideline, looking out for Nick Sierrani can probably can be considered a little bit of a win. But I think it's, like I said, it it, it 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 almost injected the right amount of spark into the team to maybe on the comeback. It didn't quite do that, but it also speaks volumes for the culture of the team is that players and coaches and everyone in that organisation will do absolutely anything and everything for their their, their teammates and, and, and everyone in the organization. I think that's for me is why I think it's it's serving of it. You know, happy for you to disagree, Mick, but um, I want to make that the Lock Loman play of the week is Dom squaring up to Greenlaw. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. And it was one of those <clears throat> where uh, you're, you're on the edge of your seat in the game because it's already quite tense and then a fight breaks out on, on the pitch. So you're just like, yes, yeah, that's. Get fucking into him, and um, <laughs> you you feel like you're there. Um, it got me excited. It got me really riled up for the game, and I was like, hey, "Let's let's do this. This is this is the like you said, the spark that we need to just to go down, give the the forty niners a, a punch in the mouth, and say, um, we're Philly, we're here, we we um, we are we are the team in in the NFC to beat. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it didn't work out that way, but um. It, it it was it was a bit a huge moment in the game that I, I felt like uh, it, it felt like one of those turning points, Phil, where you know like, it, and it wasn't even an on field thing; it was off the field. But it just felt like a turning point where you're thinking this is going to just galvanise the team, and they're just going to get behind, um, you know, big Dom and show support and 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 just rally and 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 finish and finish the the forty niners off and get back in the game. Um. Yeah, yeah, it's fully deserving of the lot home and play of the week, I think, and uh, be one of the more interesting ones definitely this this season <laughs> so, <laughs> for sure. And on that note, um, thank you, Dom. Here's the lot lower player of the week goes to you, and that sounds like a good time to go for a, an ad read, Mick. Ah, uh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Celebrate victories, rally through challenges. And bond with Phil fans as you toast with a dram of Loch Lomond single malt whiskey. From tailgating gatherings to watch parties at home, Loch Lomond whiskey becomes an essential companion, enhancing the moments that make football so extraordinary. It's the perfect accompaniment from the joy of victory to the bittersweet moments of defeat. Loch Lomond offer a wide range of malts with their flagship perfectly balanced and signature expressions inch moan and inch muren to suit any taste palate. Celebrate greatness on and off the field this season with a perfect balance of Loch Lomond whiskey and Eagles football. 
From the first pour to the crowd roar. Fly Eagles Fly. Yeah, I love that advert. Um, so let's move on to the Cowboys preview quickly. Um, but before that, just a quick update on the win-loss record that we've been keeping track of in the second half of the season. Now, be no surprise that the Eagles' loss meant that we all took a loss. So nothing has really changed in the overall scores. Mick still leads, but has lost his perfect record, sadly. Yeah, he Terrible. wasn't able to keep it going. Um and we all predicted a win, so therefore we all took an L. Um, so Mick is currently 11-1 and one for the season on his predictions. I am 9-3, and three, and Liam has now suffered his fourth loss of the season, is at 8-4. and four. So he's uh, struggling to make the playoffs in this one, whereas Mick is out for the uh, number one seed and um, desperately trying to hang on to his coattails, hoping that he slips up further. How's the, um, the fantasy league doing? The NFC one, do you? The NSC draft, I think I'm storming that at the moment. Um, right. From what I like, I haven't checked it that often. I was going to check it towards the end of the season. Um, but I think balance, dra- drafting the balanced team that I did um, allowed me to. Oh, yeah. Blown your own horn here, Phil. What's that? Sorry. Oh, no, you are. Oh, uh, yeah. No, well, I'm not actually because I thought I was doing well, but you are. <laughs> you are 10 and 10 and 3, and I'm 8 and 5. So that was um, me talking absolute bollocks out of my mouth for a change. I just, I suppose how much I keep an eye on it. It's always a fun little one, but it's interesting to see that. Um, yeah. Shout out to, shout out to AJ, um, the guest that we had on drafting the team. He is 2 and 11. Um, I think that, I think we all knew that when he drafted his team. I don't think it was a particularly strong one. But Well, he took Daniel Jones, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. I suppose. And, I, and I got shit for not taking Daniel Jones, if I remember correctly. You took Sam um, House. That's probably working out why it's working out for you because he's had a pretty good season. I'm actually. I think, I think really my team would. Um, well, to be honest, I think I'm going to struggle this week because half my team is on bye with Washington being on a bye. So um, it's not going to help my case. Anyway, that's that's a digression that I wasn't expecting. Um, oh, sorry. No, no, I was saying, I was saying, wasn't expecting to, to cover that. But anyway, um, moving on to the Cowboys preview. The Cowboys are 9-3, um, literally hanging over our shoulder, waiting to, to pounce on the the number one spot in the division and and also potentially the number one spot in the NFC. Um, it feels a lot like the Niners build-up. We are the better team on on, on paper, I feel, um, and should be going in with high confidence. However, the team isn't, you know, if the, if the team isn't prepared or, or if we haven't fixed the issues that we've mentioned in the, in the Niners game, um, the Cowboys definitely have the ability to punish teams. Now, they've punished teams generally with a losing record this season um but good teams beat bad teams and if we are bad there's a chance that we could be one of those victims as well um that being said i feel like this is this is equally nervous just because it's in dallas if this was if this was the home fixture for dallas cowboys um i probably be feeling that we'd be due for for a massive bounce back game and i'll be fully confident of it but i feel like there's just a bit of a a curse at the moment with the eagles fans and generally with the fact that the cowboys are so dominant at home this season that generally we have tended to lose in in arlington quite often more than not um this in recent memory so it's going to be an absolutely tough battle 
to go in there. But I feel like maybe the Niners' loss will be that injection that we needed to kick ourselves into into extra gear going into the final run of games to make sure we, we snag that number one seed. So I think if you wanted a game to try and bounce back from a such a crushing defeat, there's nothing nothing like going into your enemy territory and, and handing them a massive fat L and doing to them what the Niners did to us. And I feel like this is an opportunity to really lay the marker for the playoffs and going forward. This is this is a key moment. And I feel like mainly because if we do lose this game, the Niners and the Cowboys will have a chance to get a game on us. Or the Niners will have a chance. The Cowboys will obviously gain a game on us and we'll be on a level uh, equal record, but the Niners will have a chance to to do the same. So it's this game has got a lot riding on it, Mick, and not just from a personal perspective, but from an overall NFL perspective. This is a this is this game has the chance to really shape things going into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a huge one, and you know, hmm, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because I keep getting told this 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 that the season sort of being pinned on this game against Dallas and I don't fully believe it. I started off believing it and I was going to go down that route, but I think I'm going to go the other way. Yeah. Um, it would be great if we could go into Dallas and punch them in the mouth, recover well from the 49ers and and, and, and take the dub. That's what I want. Of course that's what I want. Eagles fan. Hello, um, but <laughs> we don't tend to do very well in Dallas, and Dallas are a team who play very well at home. And I know how soft their schedule has been this year. I've been one of the ones to point out how soft their schedule has been. Um, I think I know where you're going with this. They've, they've played fucking nobody, really. Um, but history has told us that the Eagles, the Eagles don't play well in Dallas. Um, and we've allowed das- Dak Prescott to play really well against us as well. Even at home, we nearly lost that game. Phil, that that was that that was um, an escape for us um, in some sense. I, I know you were there a lot. The, the the British Eagles were in attendance, but it was a nervous, nervous game. And and that at one point, Dak was like throwing the ball all over the yard, and he barely had an incompletion. At one point, he, he went twenty nine for forty four in the end for three hundred and seventy four yards, three touchdowns. Um, CD Lamb had one hundred and ninety one yards. That just that can't happen. And I've not seen a response from the defense since that game because yeah, okay, second half versus Kansas City, yeah, but we didn't do much against the Bills. We got absolutely shot on against the Forty ers and um yeah hopefully we're able to make corrections to this but the signs aren't really telling me that and i don't want to be you know debbie downer in the podcast but it's it, it, it doesn't feel like like it's, it's an easy win for us but whilst i've said all that okay it's also not the be all and end all of the season because dallas have a really, really difficult end to the season. They do, they, yeah. They, we have just, we, we're going through the gauntlet. We're nearly at the end of it. In fact, this is the last game of it, you could say, because the Seahawks aren't who the who we really thought the Seahawks were at the start of the season. Um, 
But, you know, you look at the games that Dallas have got coming up. They've got the Eagles, they've got the Bills, they've got the Dolphins, they've got the Lions. That's all contenders. That's all playoff caliber teams. That's not something that they've faced this season. So to say that this game is going to rest on the, the NFC East Championship is just fucking idiocy because Dallas are not going to win out. They're not. They're going to drop another game in there. They might even drop two games in there. Whilst the Eagles, yeah, not every game is, is an easy win. But we've got the Giants twice, who the guy at quarterback, I think, fucking sells cannolis at the week, uh, during the week. <laughs> and um, uh, the Cardinals, you know, Johnny Gans, maybe he'll be up for that game. But, you know, the Cardinals aren't anywhere near it at the moment. And uh, <clears throat> and the Seahawks, was I already sort of spoke about. So whilst I think it's going to be a very, really tough game and it's a really big ask to expect, I think that's for me. It's the expectation to think we need to go in here and, and win because if we don't, the season's over. No, that's bullshit. The season's not over. The season's season's seventeen games. It's, it's eighteen weeks. It's not ending next week. It's not ending this Sunday night. So no. I, I just want to sort of curtail expectations a bit for some people, and also um, tell them also it's not the end of the world if we do take a loss against Dallas because. Yeah, they are a good team, and we probably expect to see them again in the playoffs. But the league doesn't end in, on Sunday night. No, and and I think you you are right there. Like it doesn't end. I think it's more the fact that if if it, if we do lose against the Cowboys, it will be two quite significant defeats on the bounce. Momentum shift wise, it's not a good place to be in. Um, that's where it worries me. It's it's we will be level potentially with both the Niners and, and the Cowboys at that point, and then with the pressure is a little bit more on us to to win out. But like you said, the, the 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 schedule for us is significantly easier than the Cowboys, and as we know, as we've stated, the Cowboys have had a have got a fortress um, in Texas, but when they're on the road, they're not so strong, and they face the Dolphins and the Bills away. Um, on the road, sorry, um, with only the when the Lions come into um, to Texas to play them later on before they have the Cow Commanders um, away again. So three out of the last four games are on the road. Um, the Commanders game you probably can't put too much weight on because it's at the end of the season, so who knows what the situation will be, and then the Commanders probably aren't going to put up much of a, a a fight if they're not fighting for anything at the end of the season. Um, so there is reason to be optimistic that if that does, if it doesn't go our way on Sunday, that we've definitely we should still be shading it in the in the odds for, for 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 getting the division at the very least. Whether the NFC number one seed overall is is um, is still ours or, or still fighting for it, whatever the situation being. But the Dolphins are also fighting for the number one seed in the AFC, so that's going to be a really tough game for the Cowboys. So that'll be a really interesting game to watch on the on Christmas Eve. Um, before the Eagles play the Giants on Christmas Day. So that'll be a nice little festive um, feast for us to go with the turkey and the gravy and the stuffing and the pigs in blankets and all that. Oh, God. All Can't wait trims. for it, Mick. No, you're getting all excited already. You're making me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, the injury report for the Cowboys has also been released. There's not really an awful lot on it to um, to get excited about. Rico Dowd always is limited for the second day in a row um he's been a bit of a bright spot but as we know they've got pollard they've got um vaughn um 
and I think one other guy. Their running game has been pretty, um, not electric, but it's been pretty reliable and consistent. And they had a pretty good game against the Seahawks on the ground. Um, so maybe that's not going to impact too much. But um, Tyron Smith, the tackle, has been has not practiced for the second day on the bounce. So he's probably likely to be trending towards out. I don't know how impactful this is. Mick, you probably got a better idea about um, all these kind of players than me. Um, Zach Martin guard is, is gone from limited to not practicing on, on Thursday, but that was down to rest. Um, Mm, And (laughs) yeah, paid. Well, it's, it's, it's NIR rest. So I don't know. Um, what that non-injury. means generally non-injury, non-injury related rest yeah so they're, mm-hmm. they're probably um how much rest do they need today played on thursday night football against the seahawks well, i'm hoping that's why, rest. i'm hoping that that means something more significant for them than 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 the letting on than if he's had that amount of rest and still needs still needs two days off on the bounce <laughs> tyron smith um um and i think the other injury is peyton hanan hendershot tight end is obviously not not in there Top two tight ends is probably a very negligible omission. As for the rankings, um, on paper, I think that Cowboys are are generally shading it, although our rush defense is still pretty stout. So um, we've got the advantage there. But generally, in all of the defensive categories, the uh, the Cowboys do have us beat on the in the rankings. But the offensive rankings are a little bit more favorable um, due to. Um, the efficiency on fourth down, specifically, still being the number one despite not having that many, not much success with it over the last couple of games. We're still number one in the fourth down offense. Um, we're total off where we're ranked number nine overall on offense with the Cowboys at number five. And I think their passing offense is, is has been electric. They're number three and we're, we're 13. But again, when it comes to these things, I think it's been the, the showcase of the season where we've not been lighting up the charts everywhere on the stats but we've been grinding out wins it's not all about um where you are on the on the rankings and and, and as as you've acutely said mick their their schedule has been a lot a lot easier recently so the chances are they're going to be putting up the stats stopping the score and, and generally being more efficient against weaker teams so the stats are going to be inflated by that so um are you worried by any of the rankings at all does it is there anything that stands out to you that, apart from the past past yeah. defense being 29th, maybe? <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of those, a lot of the Eagles' defensive um, rankings really stand out, Phil. And one in particular is third down defense percentage, thirty oh, second in the league, very last, rock bottom of the league in third down defense. That that's again, that's just morale killing drive. Killing well, not killing drive extending, yeah. drive extending. It's um, one of the worst you know, we could possibly be. We can't be 32nd in any stat, never mind third down defense. Um, you can't call we, yourself a Super Bowl contender and have those kind of rankings, no, can you? No, not 29th in pass defense, 22nd in total defense, uh, um, 29th in red zone defense, that's nearly 70% in red zone defense. It's that's again, yeah, we, we have played some really tough teams this year, that much is true. Um, whilst you know, we'd say Dallas have had a cupcake schedule, we, we've had the opposite, what's the opposite of cupcake? I'm not sure. Um, cupcake, we are fucking razor blade in it, <laughs> uh, but it's yeah, 
which maybe making some of these starts a little bit worse. But at the same time, you've got to be worried because because of the first game in Philadelphia and how easy it was for for um, Dak to pick apart our, our defence, especially over the middle. They just put C.D. Lamb in the slot. He did whatever he wanted. They brought in their tight ends for, for easy completions over the middle. Jake Ferguson had a massive game, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think Schoonmaker had a I know he, he didn't get that touchdown today. He was inches away with Reed Blankenship making the, the pivotal tackle on the on the goal line, but that could have easily have been another touchdown and you know a, a game changing moment. Um I've just Dallas, tight end, Dallas tight ends always hurt us. In fact, the tight ends around the league always hurt us and we're so susceptible to the in the middle of the field. It's 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 it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. So to say you're not worried is just foolish at this point. Um, but you know we've got to come out. We've got to respond. Um, we've brought in, we've brought in Shaq Leonard. I don't know if he's going to start this weekend. I've just that, noticed. Sorry. Phil, no, that's you... that's what I was that's what I was going to say. Okay. Um, I've got a secret. I've got a, I've got a secret theory, Mick. I think that was the reason why he visited the Cowboys first. Done a bit of undercover, um, in-house rent oh, reconnaissance. Yeah. <laughs> um, getting the getting the four one one. Um, okay. on the Cowboys situation and their weaknesses. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely sign with you if you tell me <clears throat> your weaknesses, what you're worried about, um, what what you want to put in the wall, what you don't like to eat, what, what, who's got the weak leg, who's got the weakness. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm just going to go to the Eagles and just see what they've got to offer and I'll be right back. <laughs> and and he never was. <laughs> I wish. I wish it was I wish it was that, that clear, but it wouldn't be hilarious. Agent, if, um, Agent Shaq. Agent Shaq, <laughs> Uh, no, but um, in fact, you know, one thing that I've just been made aware of is, is I mean, something that could force Shaq Leonard to be active um, this Sunday night is that Christian Ellis was claimed by the Patriots mm. off waivers. So we had another man down on the linebacker core, which, you know, you take that risk when you send the guy to waivers. And a lot of people were saying, you know, he's just a guy, he's, he's probably on he's uh, a the practice piece, squad, yeah. you know, depth piece, but. It's still one more guy down in, a, in an area that we're just so devoid of, of talent. We, we, we sh- with Zach Cunningham still not at full practice, mm. it's, it's, it's such a concern. I mean, you don't have... We could be rolling out in the game with with them, Shaq Leonard, who's not played this app for this team, paired with, say, Zach Cunningham doesn't make it, who's going to be paired with? I think, I mean, call me naive if I'm totally off the pole park here, but is it not easier for a defensive player and a defensive player of, of, of Shaq's experience to come into a play a week, a team, and then play that week and not be as... I know Kevin Byard is probably going to... is the evidence to counter my point, but the general assumption would be that you, you generally run tight to defence. You don't run sort of routes and stuff and know your quarterback and how he likes to do things and all that sort of nuances. You're generally look reacting to an offense and being in the right place at the right time and making that tackle that you need to. So maybe there's less um risk with putting a mm. player of his his caliber straight into the team. I'm just trying to be positive here, Mick. I don't know. Tell me I'm No, I know, I know. I've been I've been very negative about this game so far. <laughs> and I do apologize for that. Um but I mean if we want to look at a way that we could win, run the fucking ball because Dallas can't yeah. handle it. Dallas can't exactly. handle the run. And we have to get this this run game alive and kick and get swift the ball often and early. Get the 
get the get us in the second and manageable, third and manageable. Give us a chance to to move the ball down the field. You know, get this run game moving, and 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 you know, you get a chunk play, great. That's 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 fantastic. That's even more, but you have to keep this defense honest. Like you said, against the Portinaires, we're making it too easy for them. You knew when they were going to throw the ball, they were just leaving people in coverage. And, you know, we'll get AJ and, and Smith tied up. Hopefully we'll have Dallas back for that, and then that'll provide another um, safety blanket for Hurts, and we can just throw throw a short intermediate ball over the middle for that completion if the, if the two wide receivers are <coughs> uh, tied up on the, on the outside. So... Um, that's 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 the way that you see this yeah. game going. Establish the run, get Dallas Gar- involved, and stop with the fucking screens, man. I'm so sick of the screens. <laughs> to be fair, I think the screens have 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 worked better recently. But you're 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 absolutely right that the if if the run running game isn't established and isn't a dominant part of our offense on Sunday, it's going to raise two serious questions for me. One we've already spoken about, which is you know the, the 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 hurt situation and whether that really is impacting the ability to do RPOs and and and, and offload the ball as opposed to you know because keeping the, the defense honest and and picking the right move, but also from a coaching perspective that you know Sirianni's come out in the presser this week and, and acknowledged the two fans and he says he loves the passion and he knows they need to run the ball more, you know, so he said the right things. He's acknowledged it. The fans feel heard. But if it doesn't go that way on Sunday, the fans are going to be like, "You're just talking out both sides of your mouth, and you're not, you're not, you're not doing." You, you, you almost like you think that we don't know what we're talking about. And if there's anything that Philadelphia Eagles fans know what they're talking about, it's football. So, and on that lovely positive note, <laughs> we're going to wrap up the podcast right there. <laughs> Normally we do a prop bet, but between the three of us, um, but since Liam's not feeling well and not able to make this podcast. We'll probably do that offline. We will post out in the group and on on, on social media. Um, we are o for o and two, which um, fills you with the confidence that we, with our prop bets, that we we know what we're talking about. But um, they weren't far off. But anyway, um, I'm actually looking forward to the game more so than when we started the podcast. I know it might be hard to believe, but I think we've talked through the pain. We've talked through all our worries, our concerns. We've also highlighted a few positives and, and consoled each other, cried on each other's shoulder, um, drank a bit of whiskey, and, and now are feeling a little bit more rejuvenated, more positive. And um, yes, it's Sunday Night Football, which I think is the only thing that we can't change. Whiskey, whiskey, whiskey can change, but cannot change the start time. Um, it can change the the impact on you, but um, we are all going to have to be getting up in the early hours of Monday morning, um, praying for an Eagles win. But as Mick said, it's not the the end of the world. We, we there are plenty more chances for the end of the season. So let's just go out there. Let's right the wrongs. Let's in, let's punch the Cowboys in the fucking face in their own territory. Let's let's come out and let's make this a game where people go, ah, the Niners game was just was a blip. It was just a bit of fitness. It was all, it was an off game. They're back. Yeah. It's so, overdue, um, Phil. It is. It's over. It's overdue for us to go in and give someone a fucking doing. And I hope it's this weekend against the Cowboys because. I hate those scumbags. <laughs> and on that note, um, thanks ever so much for listening. I don't think I, off the top of my head, I don't think I have any parish notices. Um, I mentioned about the the, the Seahawks watch line being cancelled. Um, there will be playoffs um, watch longs at Pass Yank, but obviously we don't know 
who, when, or what we'll be playing at the time. So once we get a bit close to the time, um, there will be something on. So if you keep those weekends free, um, if you're ready to come down, um, I'm sure Liam will be down there for as many games as possible. And, and I'll try and get down for one if I can. Um, but ultimately, Gaz is going to put on a show either way, and it's worth getting down there, especially for playoff time. Nothing beats playoff football in Pasienka Avenue with a cheesesteak, some wings, a Pat's Blue Ribbon or a Pickleback, and enjoy the night. So um, on that note, I'm, we're going to bid you farewell. Uh, good night, Bird Gang. See you soon.